0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast. If you are new here, my name is Mallory Page. I am a registered dietitian, and I am also your host. And this podcast is all about discussing what is going on in the wellness world, what nutrition trends there are out there, what influencers are suggesting that you should do, and what exercises people are telling you are the next big thing. And overall, just answering the questions that you have through my educated opinion, the educated opinion of other professionals, and even your guys' feedback and experiences. Each week, I choose a different topic. And then there are some weeks where a current event or something comes up and I think, okay, we have to talk about that. And that is exactly what happened with this week's topic, which is the article that was recently put out by the New York Post by the name of Bye Bye Booty, Heroin Chic, is back. And yes, that is the real title. The URL even is, heroin Cheek is back and curvy bodies, big butts are out. I just, I honestly cannot believe that that's, this is real and that we're even talking about it, but that's the exact reason why we need to talk about it. When this article came out last Wednesday, I automatically saw this everywhere on all the people I follow. Stories all over my For You page on TikTok. I even had articles come up around this that were refuting what they were saying. But then when I put it on my story a few days ago and asked you guys what your thoughts on it were, many of you guys didn't even know that the article had come out and you hadn't read it or you hadn't even seen any rhetoric around just the article contents and the whole reason it was put out in general. So, whenever I see something like that, I know that this means it's a good thing for all of us to discuss. And I know that some of you guys may have been in the same boat as me, and you've seen this article everywhere and you've seen a lot of thoughts on it, but I really really suggest you stick around for this podcast because I don't want to just regurgitate the same information you've heard. A lot of what I've seen speaks to that your body is not a trend and that you're beautiful no matter what, which is, of course, true. But I actually feel like it's more important to talk about why this is happening, not only why an article like this is put out, but also Why are we seeing this trend cycle even try to rear its ugly head again? What does it benefit and and who is pushing this along? So that's what we're going to be talking about today, amongst so many other things. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. If you feel like someone you know needs to hear this and you want to send it to them, that would mean the world. If you want to give a review on Spotify... Or an apple, I appreciate it more than anything. So, just any of those or none of those is amazing. I'm just happy that you're here and happy that we are gonna get into this freaking topic. So, if you are a continuous listener to Seems Like Diet Culture, you typically know that we start with what is it? What is this article about? So, the interesting thing about this that I wanted to first talk with you guys about. Is when I saw this article headline, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is going to be so, so toxic, which it is, right? Especially the article headline. But when you got into the article itself, it was really interesting to me because personally, it just felt like very regurgitated information that we've already seen pretty much everywhere. I will link the article in the show notes if you do want to read. It's a very short read, honestly, but if you don't want to give them clicks or you just don't want to read it, I am going to summarize what it shares for you right now, and I'm curious what you guys will think about the information as I go through it. So, it starts off discussing how 1990s, early 2000s fashion is coming back from Uggs to low-rise jeans, all of that stuff. Then it talks about Bella Hadid and the impact of Fashion Week from her getting spray painted in that dress or the spray paint dress where she like walked out with no clothes on, as well as the Miu Miu skirt, the micro one that we've seen everywhere, how supermodels are getting really skinny, all of that kind of stuff. Then it kind of shifts into the Kardashians' influence and how it seems as if they have removed their BBLs, although, of course, it's never been confirmed if they got them or not, which they never seems like will. And they also discussed the whole Kim K Met Gala incident. To me, all of this stuff, we've really seen pretty much everywhere. If you have listened to this podcast for a while, you would know that I have already made episodes about Kim K's Met Gala extravaganza, as well as an episode on is quote-unquote skinny trending again and discussing early 2000s fashion coming back. And this was a while ago that I made these episodes. I'll have them both linked in the show notes as well. So, to me, I kind of wonder what was the point of regurgitating all this information for the article, but I know I haven't read through it all, so I'll give you the other context. They then discuss how slim, thick, quote unquote, and body positivity has been everywhere, but now it seems to be out and replaced by this stuff. And this is being confirmed by people flocking to Pilates studios, class sizes going up for those things, as well as the things that we see on TikTok, And I did feel it was interesting that they mentioned this, but they talk about how Thinspo and certain other hashtags on TikTok are banned, but there are other similar hashtags such as Fitspo or What I Eat in a Day or Body Check, and I want to mention that is Body Check with just a C, not a K, which shows you how people are getting around these hashtags regardless are all there. And they speak to the fact that studies have found that eating disorders are on the rise, especially in adolescent girls, and also that TikTok promotes toxic diet culture and glorifies extreme weight loss. The last thing that they go to is that no matter what it is, it seems that there is a constant focus on body size and that there was a woman named Emma McClendon that curated an exhibit titled The Body, Fashion, and Physique about idealized fashionable bodies And she said, whether it's contemporary or 19th century, we as a culture, as a society are obsessed with size, it becomes connected to our identity as people. And I will just mention, they do put in the National Eating Disorder Hotline and the website for people. So that's it. That's the whole article. And to me, it actually feels contradicting how they named the article versus what the contents is. Because how I took it in a way from reading this is that even if they're not explicitly saying this and they're more just going at it in a reporter sense, they are naming the problems with this and how it's affected people more than they are sensationalizing the fact that this trend is trying to come back. And in reality, they're really adding nothing to the conversation. There have been a lot of articles out there already that have discussed this and taken a position on it or at least presented the information in a way that didn't allow for the media to catch on to it and blow it into something bigger than it is or make it even more harmful or really put forth this idea that people should be following this. And so it comes across as if the New York Post wanted conversation around an article, which, yes, I get that's the point of journalism, but they wanted conversation around an article more than they actually cared about well-being of people, especially the people that are reading this, and especially the people of which they are reporting on or talking about, I should say, that are struggling with eating disorders because of this toxic rhetoric that's going around. So, to me, I take a real issue with this, and I think it's super problematic and honestly disgusting that the New York Post would put a title like this on an article when in reality they knew that even if their article is discussed more, the discussion that's coming up is inherently harmful, and their article did nothing for anyone. It's not helpful in any way. It's literally only harmful. So it just seems like such a waste to me and that they knew that this whole even picture that they put together on the article that's circled everywhere was going to create this this negative conversation. The thing I have seen, though, about this is that people are shocked or surprised. And sadly, I am not either of those things. Partially because I have seen this building as we were speaking to with the two other podcasts I've made, and even just the information I've seen online, but also because of the fact that even when we take strides within body positivity and dismantling diet culture and breaking beauty standards, we have to remember that for all the people that are doing this, there is a whole entire subset of people that are not only unaware but are pushing against this, even if they don't know that they're pushing against it. And so when I saw this article, to me, I just thought to myself, how uneducated are these people that they care more about putting out an article that will be talked about than they do the actual well-being of literally millions and millions of women, especially, that could fall victim to this type of rhetoric. I mean, they literally said... You know what? We've seen this information everywhere, but let's regurgitate it and then slap on a title that promotes eating disorders and drug use because what could be better than that? So now that we've discussed what's in the article, I want to break it down and I want to start with why a trend like this is even cycling back and explain a little bit about the wellness industry. So this is crazy a lot of dietitians people that speak against diet culture whatever it is we have long used the number of 70 billion for the cost of the wellness industry that was a number that was the most accurate up until recently from what i've seen and i was actually researching the other day on what the current cost of the wellness industry is, and it's estimated to be around $1.5 trillion. That is the cost of the wellness industry. So what is encompassed in the wellness industry, you may ask? Well, it's not completely clear, and it's differently defined by everyone, which is part of the reason why we can see differing numbers. But I would argue that the main things we're seeing is anything that has to do With your body, exercise, or food, but also potentially sometimes mental health, depending on how it's related to you, and even sometimes beauty standards too. So, weight loss, diets, maybe plastic surgery sometimes, any surfaces, even what I do would be considered underneath the wellness industry in terms of some people's viewpoints. So, there's a lot underneath this. But just like pretty much everything else in America, this is a for-profit industry. And it is influenced by the patriarchy. And every single one of us is a consumer. We're all consumers because even if we do our absolute best to not be affected by diet culture, to not take part in toxic wellness culture, all of that kind of stuff, we all still have to eat and we all still have bodies. And so if we try to remove ourselves from it, we can't fully succeed. Of course, you can change the way that you consume, but no matter what, we are all consumers. And what we know to be true about any business, industry, whatever it is, that is trying to make a profit is that the best way to make a profit or to make money in general is to create a solution to a problem. Now, the key here is that if there is no problem, then there is no need for a solution. So, this probably brings up the question in your mind of, So what's the problem that the wellness industry is currently solving? Because obviously they're making a lot of money, right? So they must be solving some type of problem. Well, there are a lot of different problems within the wellness industry that can be solved, but I would argue that one of the largest money generators that they will continually make sure is being quote-unquote solved are body problems, thus enter body trends. Now, I need to mention first and foremost that we could have such an in depth conversation just about body trends and where they come from and why they're so pervasive and who influences them and so much more. But for the sake of this podcast and you guys, I'm going to stay focused on how it pertains to this particular topic of today. And if you want an episode on that at another time, just let me know. So, when I'm talking about body trends in this circumstance, I'm talking about everything that this article was speaking to. So, the conversation around slim thick versus heroin chic and how those trends then generate money for the business. For example, when we started to go into the slim thick era, there were a number of ways that introducing that era created money and profit for the wellness industry. Some examples would be weightlifting, HIT classes, BBLs, breast implants, protein powders, even certain types of bikini competitions, things that people buy. I mean, there's so many different things that it could be, and it doesn't have to be one thing specifically. Now, as the wellness industry tries to Influence us to move back into the quote unquote heroin chic era, we would see money going into things like Pilates, BBLs being removed, maybe other types of plastic surgery, extreme dieting supplements, even different types of diets, which diets honestly are true of both of these circumstances that I mentioned. They're kind of a continuous money maker, but they may look a little bit different in each of these different stages. But you can see how as they're able to change a trend, they're able to put in place new areas and products that people can consume to make them money. Now, you may be thinking, well, aren't they making money no matter what stage we're in or no matter what trend we're following? Yes, they totally are. But there is a reason why changing something creates more consumerism than not changing it. I'm going to use the example of the new year. Despite what you believe about going into a new year, right? From going from 2022 to 2023, it's freaking December 31st. We wake up, it's January 1st. It's a new year. Despite what we think and despite how much you hate New Year's or love them, there is a feeling we all get. It's like a nagging of like, oh, it's a new year. Like I can do new things. I can, I could be anybody I want to be. I could have all these new goals. And whether or not you capitalize on those or not is up to you, but you still feel it. It's there. It's like this little button that's pressing. And you also see it. You see it in businesses. You see it all over social media. You hear people in your circle talking about it. It is present if you were to just continuously stay in the same year, or if we had no concept of years and life just continued forever and ever and ever, there wouldn't necessarily be that same feeling. And by changing these quote-unquote trends around body image, they generate this feeling within ourselves about our body that wouldn't necessarily be there if the trend wasn't changing. Now, I know that this can be somewhat confusing because you may then start thinking logically. Like, if you're thinking logically, I get you because that's kind of how I think about things. And you're probably wondering, okay, well, how is it that the wellness industry makes these changes happen? They can't just put out a PSA that everybody is supposed to go back to heroin chic. And you're 100% right. And I'm not going to act like I know everything on this topic, there is definitely someone out there even more educated than me specifically about trends and how they cycle that could speak to this. But from the research that I have done, it seems that body trends are mainly influenced by high fashion. Let me explain how this would look or give an idea of how this could look. So we start at the very top, with a high fashion designer. And things that we want to keep in mind when it comes to this type of person is they're extremely wealthy. They're surrounded by some of the most famous wealthy people in the world. They can often be influenced by politics. They are definitely going to be driven by money and by the economy. And also, they're not necessarily relating to the bottom tier consumer, which is all of us. So this designer all of a sudden decides, you know what? I just kind of want to go back to 90s fashion. I want to play on that nostalgia. I want to go back to a trend that we already know was popular 20 or so years ago, whatever that conversation is like for them. So they create a new design that will then go out onto the runway. But what is it that we need for a design? Let's use, for example, the Miu Mu micro mini skirt to go onto a runway. Well, we need a model. If we look at this type of clothing, this very skimpy Y2K-like clothing, you can see how most of these type of people then believe the best person to wear this is someone that is super skinny, super lanky, Etc., cetera, et cetera. and so when they decide that, then you have the agents of models and models themselves wanting to fit this trend in order to be booked, in order to make a living, in order to fit what these designers are wanting for their runways and for their shoots. So now we have models that are arguably the idealistic body standard for the world, or at the least they influence it, changing their bodies even more than they already do to fit a trend. So then these models change their body and then they go out on runways and they wear these clothes and people observe the changes that they see. And at the same time, these high fashion designs are what celebrities then utilize for their own red carpets and for their own events. So their stylists are looking at these things and then taking them off the runway for celebrities. And these celebrities want to fit the trend just as badly because their whole entire purpose as a celebrity is to be stylish, to stay relevant. We're constantly critiquing them and they're in the public eye and limelight in the sense of how they look. So they also often start to change their bodies to fit into these type of designs. So celebrities are arguably the most influential people in the world in many ways, at least for the common consumer, especially people like Kim Kardashian and Khloe Kardashian and I mean, so many people, right? But then the consumer starts to see people in these type of outfits. And at the same time, fast fashion brands are looking at the high fashion runways. And it's actually said that high fashion brand to fast fashion can have only like a three or four hour turnover sometimes to taking a design To replicating that design for the average consumer, which is pretty insane when you think about how quick that is that they're trying to circulate these things around. So then you have all of the consumers that are not only seeing from celebrities, which celebrities then trickle down to influencers, which then trickle down to micro influencers, which then trickle down to the consumer. We see all of them basically taking up this style. And we also see all of these fast fashion brands then having an influx of these type of styles that people want to buy. And all of this combined influences that consumer to want to fit in with what they're seeing from not only the people they look up to, but just in general, what society is doing, because we have an innate nature to want to fit in. And just to add in a little side tangent, I truly believe that TikTok makes this way, way worse. And it's not just TikTok, but I do see it the most on there because I find that younger generations, there is a lot of fitting into an aesthetic rather than finding your own personal style. And so when new cycles and trends in fashion comes out, it's adopted very quickly because of the ability to find it, obviously, through social media, but also because of the desire to make sure that that aesthetic that is currently trending is something that you are matching. And to go along with this, I really want to discuss the aspect that I haven't seen as many people talk about, which is how this article is promoting drug use. And that is what it is. I get that you may think, oh, they're just using heroin chic as a term. It's not real. I don't care. I literally do not care. This is so dangerous to be acting like it's okay to just throw around words. Like, heroin chic, even the fact that those two words are together is disgusting. And I know that the New York Post didn't create that term, and I'll explain a little bit about why that term came up and where it originated from, but let's just have that sit in or sink in, I should say. There are people that have ruined their lives, relationships, jobs, well-being, that have lost their lives to drugs, specifically heroin, and we think it's cute to put it in an article to get some clicks? I mean, seriously, that is so messed up. And I can't imagine how the people that have dealt with drug abuse or have people in their lives that deal with it or just anyone in general that is aware of the drug epidemic and problems that we're having reading this and how it must feel to them. Because obviously I am in the community that is more in tune to the body image conversation. And yes, I get that this is discussing body image maybe more than it is specifically drug use, but who cares? It's really, really messed up and sad that that's a part of this. And to give you the background, The reason why heroin chic is a term that came up in this is because the first time that these trends came around, we were seeing models and just people in general, celebrities, Lindsay Lohan, uh, Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, and so many other people. I actually go even more in depth into this topic in the podcast episode I mentioned about the 2000s, but we saw them in such unhealthy bodies. And many of these models and celebrities came out after the fact speaking to the fact that they had eating disorders but also were abusing drugs. And on the runway, there were actually multiple deaths that occurred because of these incredibly small bodies that they were in and also because of drug use. This was so bad that at the time, the president actually declared it somewhat of an epidemic and felt the need to speak on this specifically and how the fashion industry and everyone needed to stop the use of drugs, especially in regards to achieving certain body types. That's how bad this was. And I really just, I have to go there Because that's just how I am. But can we just think about the fact that we are so caught up as a society in thinness that we think it's better to use drugs than be in a larger body? I feel like we just really need to let that sink in. Because a lot of the arguments out there speak about, you know, the obesity epidemic, which I don't personally believe in that term, but I'm just speaking about the term itself and all of these problems with weighing too much. But at what cost? Like, what cost does the fear mongering have on people's mental health? And yeah, I'm not saying that every single person out there is using drugs, But what about the ones that are? I'm not saying that every single person develops an eating disorder, but what about the ones that are? Why do we act like these actions have no effect because we're speaking to a quote-unquote bigger problem? Is it a bigger problem? Or is it actually making both problems worse the way that we're speaking about weight and the way that we continue to perpetuate? Fat phobia. When it comes to trends like this, it starts to get into the territory of what do we do? And I totally agree with the whole idea of like your body is not a trend and it's so messed up that they're even speaking about these things in this way. But the reality is, as of right now, and probably in the near future, These trends are not going to stop. The only thing that we can do is make the personal decision about how we are going to contribute and or participate in these trends. And this can be on a very small level. Something like, you know what? I don't freaking like low rise jeans. I don't like them. So I'm not going to wear them. And it doesn't mean that you're making a wrong decision by wearing low-rise jeans. That's a pretty mundane choice to make. If you like them, wear them. But if you don't, then don't do it. You don't have to. You don't have to fit the trend. It's about what you like. Now, this can be as large as deciding that you are going to continue to live and be in a body that feels good to you, no matter what a trend says. You are not going to change your body, change the way you eat, change the way you move, change anything that you are doing to fit a trend at the compromise of how you feel. And the funny thing about this is I honestly think that it could be the case that at some point amongst people's lives, but maybe even a bigger cycle than that, amongst generations, I should say. There is a time where every single person in the world fits closer to one body trend or another, feels more accepted by one body trend or another. And yet at the same time, even as we feel closer to it, 99% of us can't actually reach the idealized trend. You could do everything, and most of us will not look like Bella Hadid. You could do everything, and most people would not look like Kim Kardashian when she was the pinnacle and idealized, quote-unquote, slim, thick baddie. And this sets us up for a constant feeling of failure and a never-ending pursuit of an end goal that is not actually possible. Because whether you try your best to adhere to one trend or adhere to every changing trend, you're never ever going to look like the perfect idealized person that is the head or the example of that trend and even if you did, the honest truth is that you probably wouldn't think it was good enough because in terms of comparison, We know everything about ourselves and only the vision that someone else projects outwardly to us. And so we're never going to look at someone else and actually think that we are as good as them, especially if there's someone that we idolize. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the point? And be really realistic and recognize that the end goal, Whatever that may look like for you in relationship to these trends is not going to lead to fulfillment because it's never going to be good enough. It's so important for us to discuss this logically and also to speak to the mindsets that can start to infiltrate our brain because all of this happens so subconsciously. Of course, there can be ways that we consciously start to lean into it, but in the beginning, it's just everything that surrounds us. It's the billboards, it's the magazines, it's walking down the street, it's the stuff that you hear, it's social media, it's podcasts, it's watching TV, it's everything around us that starts to make us feel as if we need to change. And we don't even always know that we're doing it. And the bigger picture conversation that I theorize is contributing is that the timing of regression around women's rights and the timing of the Y2K movement and the obsession of thinness isn't coincidental. I believe that we are still in a society that values men over women and that is also afraid of what women can do when they are in power. And it is definitely documented that there can be times where focusing on food and body image and exercise and obsessing about all of these little things are a very timely and purposeful distraction that takes up women's brain space so that they can't focus on other things to the fullest extent and be their best self. And how timely would that be amongst the time where they're trying to take away our rights, amongst the time where we're starting to really gain traction in equality of women, I know that everyone has different views on this type of stuff, but I feel personally like I would be remiss not to just add that in and to make you think about how the bigger picture of what's going on in the world is affected by these topics we're talking about today and how the topics we're talking about today affect the bigger picture of what's going on in our world. And also, what could be freaking better motivation than thinking about the fact that whenever you're thinking about food or exercise or body image or something that doesn't matter, you're benefiting the bigger system. You're just becoming a cog in there, bigger wheel, and supporting men. Not that I'm against men, but you know what I'm saying? Just like the whole idea of men that are in power trying to suppress women and in, in supporting The whole idea that we need to fit Body Trends, we're in turn supporting them. Like, oof, that gets me heated, personally, because I do not like to be controlled. Women, unite. With all of that being said, I want to quickly just share a few of the thoughts that you guys had, partially because I love sharing what you guys have to say, but also because you just say the best stuff. You guys are... I just feel like we would all be best friends. I know that a lot of creators say that, but, like, when you guys put your comments in here, I'm just like, yes. Okay. I want to do a rapid fire readout of the, like, one or two word responses I got in the question box. Trash. Disgusting. I'm tired. Thumbs down. Die culture. B.S. Depressing. The worst. Regression. Disgusting and horrifying. Complete trash. Terrifying. Terrifying. Sickening. Super triggering. Horrifying. Ignored it. Preach, gals. Now let's circle back to some of the opinions that you guys had. Crystal said, not read yet, but just from the title, no. Ava said, just sad. Feels like we're constantly going backwards. Haley said, heroin chic is romanticizing drug use as if it's not an addictive substance that degrades people's bodies, relationships, and life. Also, just like stop commenting on people's bodies. Preach. Sophia says, why are we moving backwards? Have we not learned that this is harmful? Clara says, such a step back for society. We need to become inclusive of all body types. Someone else spoke to the fact that it's extremely triggering and upsetting. We still consider women's bodies trends. Another comment on people are not talking about it also being offensive and stigmatizing to PWUD, people with, um, that use drugs. I believe that's what it is. Kat says, makes me so bloody furious. Neen says, great promoting of EDs. News slash social media shouldn't talk about it as if it's a good thing or becoming a trend. Of course, I agree with every single thing that you guys say because you are the best. And I truly feel like I could record a six-hour podcast going into tangents around every single one of the conversations that we brought up today in terms of body trends and the wellness cycle and how the male gaze and the patriarchy affects these trends in the fashion industry and modeling. And there are so many things that we could talk about. So please forgive me if there's an area that you feel I didn't dive into enough. And yet also always feel free to reach out and discuss it. I love having conversations like this. And that was the whole point of this article or this podcast is what I meant to say. Not this article. This article was trash. So I hope that it was It accomplished what I hoped and that it felt like you were able to have a discussion on it and conversation. If you have any questions or you just want to talk something through, please reach out to me. I'm always here. And as a reminder, you can reach out to me on Instagram. My account is linked in the show notes. And also you are welcome if you would like to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple if you did enjoy this or share it with a friend, anything that you feel called to. Okay. I think that's all we have today. I hope you all have the best rest of your day and I will talk to you again next week.